Some radio interviews are getting to know you sessions. And some, some are coronations. Five, one, pop smoke in the building, everybody. I do a little pop smoke impersonation. Baby, don't trip. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Lower your tone. Wait. <laughs> That's the sound of a man on top of the world. I can't do it in front of you. Someone who knows he's the new king of New York. Pop smoke. This is aggressive tones. Hold on. He's joking around with radio legend Angie Martinez on her syndicated show on New York's Power 105.1. It's February 7th, 2020, and he's 20 years old. Pop released his very first song a little over a year before. And in that short time, he's become one of the hottest rappers in the game. He was visiting Angie to celebrate the release of his brand new project, Meet the Wu 2. She wanted to know how Pop was adjusting to his sudden celebrity. Do you feel like you have to be more careful now because you're a public figure? I'm going to say, give like a message to my young niggas, you feel me? Like niggas like us coming where we come from, we can't afford to fuck up. Mm. We can't afford to slip up, make no mistakes, you heard? Because they watching and, they, and they, they want us to. Less than two weeks later, he'd be gone, shot, during a robbery of his Los Angeles Airbnb. The suspects in the case, local gang members. Pop Smoke. Rapper Pop Smoke. Rising New York rapper Pop, Pop Smoke was shot and killed in what appears to be a home invasion robbery. Pop Smoke here in has died. He was 20 years old. Invasion and the Hollywood Hills this morning. The music world is in shock as police search for the shooter. Welcome to Complex Subject, Pop Smoke, from Complex Networks and Spotify Studios. I'm your host, Punch. I'm a DJ, a media personality. You might know me from working with 50 Cent, Young and May, even the infamous Takashi 69. I've been outside. But let me tell you why I'm here. It goes back to one word, one place, Canarsie. That's the neighborhood in Brooklyn where Pop's from. Yeah, it's my hood, it's my playground, it's my backyard. But that's where I'm from too. I met Pop way before the starter, back when he was just one of the crips from the town. When he started rapping, I gave him advice. I tried to guide him a bit. I played his records in the clubs. I was sending his records out to everybody. I even tried to get him to tour overseas. In fact, I was almost his DJ, but <laughs> that's a story for another day. See, the thing about Pop Smoke's voice Hello. was that it was so unique Wait. and so captivating, it brought a whole new sound into the mainstream. It's called Brooklyn Drill. It's just it's like a new flavor, a new sound, a new movement, you know what I'm saying, a new vibe. It put New York back on the map. And for a quick second, we was at the center of hip-hop again. There's a million people in Brooklyn trying to make it as a rapper, and you actually did it. Yeah, six months never looked so good in this game. Yeah. You are? Pop story, though, it's the story of how rappers use their gang ties, all of the gang beef, to get to the top of the game. There's something about what happens on the underground that somehow always gets into the offices. The industry in the streets, shit is all braided. You can't separate it, especially in Canarsie. Woo! Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is episode one, The Flossy. By the end of 2018, there was a hunger to crown the next king of New York. It had been a few years since a real New York rapper had taken over the game. One who was rough and rugged, who sounded like the streets they came from. See, Cardi was already a superstar. Takashi 69, well, we know how that ended. Mr. Hernandez, do you recognize anyone in the courtroom who was a member of Nine Trey when you were a member? Yes. And they boogie is from the BX. But he's such a melody rapper, it's hard to hone him as the king of New York. But in 2019, Pop Smoke changed everything as he brought the sound of his neighborhood into the mainstream. We had our new king. It's Guna to Before there was a pop smoke, there was Bashar Jackson. We're going to go into his neighborhood, Canarsie, the Floss. My family moved to Canarsie in the 80s. Back then, it was mostly an Italian and Jewish neighborhood. But in the 90s, things changed. A lot of people from the Caribbean moved in, like the Jacksons, Bashar's parents. His mom is from Jamaica and his dad is from Panama. And in 1996, they moved into a two-story duplex in Canarsie with their young son, Abbasi. Bashar was born three years later. The house is on East 105th, just one block over from where I grew up. So growing up, it was a full home. It was me and him, my mom and my dad. This is Abbasi Jackson, Pop's older brother. We were really sheltered at first. We used to play with the kids on the block, ride our bikes. You know, there's a lot of people who have memories of us playing basketball in our backyard. Growing up, it was, you know, it was, it was like any kid, you know, it was just like you're in your own little bubble and everything seemed perfect. One thing that made the Jackson house special, there was always music. So we had all that like Afrocentric kind of Afro music in our life, you know, especially reggae and Bashar, he loved my dad and all that, you know, the Panamanian, the Spanish side of everything. So couldn't tell him nothing. He was Panamanian forever. <laughs> Pop also had other musical influences. He liked the smooth stuff. I grew up listening to, like, like R&B and shit. This is Pop talking to DJ Semtex. Luther Vandroff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What's that crazy? Classics. Yeah, what's this crazy? J- James Brown. Right. Uh, Michael Jackson. You know what I'm trying to say? Boys yeah. to Men. Yeah. That type of vibe. All right. And I grew up in a church, so it was a whole bunch of gospel going around in my house. That church, that was St. Paul Community Baptist. The church has a super tight-knit community and has a strong emphasis on the arts. This is where Bashar Jackson first started performing. And for a while, this was kind of his second home. I knew he was part of the brats we had at St. Paul. Carla Gittins is a minister at St. Paul. And she first met Pop when he was just a little kid. They running and playing hide and seek. And, you know, just they shouldn't be running in the church. That's all we used to know, running in the church. But of course. She remembers that Pop was slick, even back then. 
Bashar had a sweet disposition about him. Even when he got in trouble, he would smooth his way around and about it. He would walk up and hug you high and kiss you, not knowing that somebody got him, but he's already in trouble. One time Pop took center stage at the biggest performance of the year, the warrior dance. So the first time I saw that dance, Bashar was in the front line to see the confidence. And he knew the steps. He had every beat down pack. And then one day, he jumped and flipped. And he landed on his feet. And he just punched the air like, yes, I got it. Even during those early performances, the folks watching could tell that little Bashar was something special. At just eight years old, his confidence moved everyone around him, even his older brother. I remember the first time he wrote his first, like, song, and he performed it at, like, something we call One Hour Watch. This elementary school kid was writing songs and performing them. Everybody loved it. That was when I knew my brother was like, yo, I, you inspire me, bro. Like, Because I didn't have courage like that, you know what I'm saying? My, my, my sense of security at the time came from sports, you know what I'm saying? I was like okay, I'll work out and do all these things. And you just went up there and you just showed a different side of yourself in front of the whole congregation. But as Pop got into his teens, the lore of the neighborhood got stronger. It really sucked to see it kind of happen because that was when he started, you know, being able to pick different friends and going to school. That's Imani Brianna Alexander. She was a bit older than Pop and went to the same church. She noticed young Pop was hanging around a new crowd in Canarsie, and that crowd was into different things. Street life, even gangs. He had, like, got, I don't want to say really aggressive, because, like, I guess I've never really seen him as a really aggressive person. I saw him as a person that made decisions that sometimes wasn't, like, the smartest. I want to take a minute here to explain what Canarsie's really about. What you need to understand is that we're different from other hoods in Brooklyn. Back in the day, a lot of people called Canarsie PH. PH stands for private houses. Most of Canarsie is single-family homes or duplexes. We don't have the famous high towers like Mossy Projects that produce rappers like Jay-Z or the Queensbridge houses that made rappers like Nas. And because of that, some people saw us as soft. But in 2007, things changed. Is Brooklyn in here tonight? Thanks to Fabulous. No, Canarsie Flossie. That meant showing off. That's how people in Canarsie set themselves apart. We grew up in houses instead of projects, but that didn't make us soft. <laughs> it made us flossy. We call it flossy because, like, we kids are coming from Canarsie that likes to dress fly. We like fly things. We like nice cars. This is Pop's neighborhood friend and Canarsie rapper, Spaz Floss. You know, we like to smell good. Take care of our family. Floss. That's flossy. Get it now? But like all nice things, there's a cost. In the neighborhood, it's a family. But outside of the neighborhood, it's a lot of people that don't like us. This is how a lot of young guys in the floss feel. They don't like what we do. They don't like how we live. It's a lot of hate. It's a lot of jealousy from different neighborhoods when it comes to Canarsie. That jealousy can sometimes lead to problems. Pop got into gang shit early. By the time he was 13, he had joined the 823 Crips, or more notably known, the 8 Deuce Dre. 
It's one of the original Crip sets in New York City. They're big in Canarsie. If you ate douche tray in the town, you're good. You always have backup. But moving by yourself, even just a few neighborhoods away, can mean problems. And Young Pop was going to find that out the hard way. One day in the fall of 2012, when Pop was just 13 years old, something happened that would change the course of his whole life. We know what happened that day because there's a video. It's one that a lot of people ended up seeing. He's at Flatbush Junction. It's this business-heavy strip in Brooklyn. There's a giant target around the area, cars, dollar vans, buses, everything drives by at all hours. Pop is standing right in front of a Jamaican food spot. He looks like a kid. He's 13, small, lanky, and to really rub in how young he is, he's wearing a backpack. He also has on a blue sweatshirt and a blue hat. And the people who know about this stuff, it's obvious that young Pop is a crip. A couple older kids dressed in red surround Pop. The main guy in this video is wearing a red Adidas sweatshirt. They're bloods. They start shouting. They start moving in closer and closer. They messing with him. Throw your set up. They're saying we dare you to rep your gang. Pop understands what's going on, but he doesn't back down. He tells the guy his set. 823 Crip. He says he's 13. Now the kids start getting more aggressive. One of the kids tells Pop, Crip up. So he pulls out his blue beaded necklace. It's a sign of his affiliation to the gang. One of the kids yanks the necklace right off of Pop. The other kid throws it to the ground and then stomps on it. It's a huge show of disrespect to Pop and the Crips overall. But things don't stop there. It gets worse. One of the kids slaps Pop across the face, hard. Then another one. The Bloods walk away, bragging the whole time. This would have been embarrassing no matter what, but things were about to get worse. The footage started going around the internet, and on Halloween in 2012, it got put on Worldstar Hip Hop. Worldstar is a site that's known for two things, rap videos <laughs> and fight videos. Pretty soon, everyone saw it. Even Pop's friends from the Floss. Here's Spaz Floss again. I was in school around the time and somebody came up to me and showed me the video. I, I, that, I, it got me upset as a kid. Could have just let my boy walk off and go by his day. He had to make a joke out of him, you know? I remember seeing the World Star video move around Canarsie. I felt bad. This little crip kid got disrespected hard to his face over and over. A lot of people who watched it were laughing at Pop. What you get from a video like that is the second that you start playing in the streets, there's no off button. No matter where you are or who you're around, you always got to be on go mode. When I first saw it, I was just like, why? Like, why and how did this happen? Amani Brianna Alexander from Pop's Church also saw the video. So did other people from their community. She says that it changed the way some people from church looked at little Bashar. Some of the criticism was, he's not going to go anywhere. He's probably just going to end up in jail. I think he was just 
getting into friendships with people that they deem to be the wrong type of people. His friend said that the whole thing turned him into a different person, one who was more aggressive, one who was fearless. That video is the reason why he deserved to be so successful in the way he got for all the people who clowned him, made fun of him, doubted him. Pop took one lesson from that video. He could never be caught slipping again. He couldn't be Bashar anymore, ever. He needed to be Pop Smoke. When we come back, Pop has a chance at a different kind of life, but can he leave his old ways behind? He threw up his little crib stuff. You know, he definitely carried it like he still was like in the street. Welcome back. Just a few years after the World Star video, Pop had an opportunity to get away from the floss, from all the gangs and the trouble that came with it. He was great at basketball. He was a guard, a nice jump shot, who wasn't afraid to get aggressive and talk trash. At the time, Sam Rines was starting a new prep school outside of Philly, Rock Top Academy. It was meant to help prepare kids to play in the NCAA. Coach Rines noticed Pop and recruited him. Pop wasn't Division I college material, but the coaches at Rock Top thought if he worked hard, he could maybe get recruited to play at a Division II school. This was a huge opportunity. Pop Smoke was my first player at Rock Top Academy. And uh, I remember him coming to visit him and his mom, dad, and they, they sat in my living room. And I said, listen, you're my first player, and uh, I need you to start it off. And he looked at me, he said, I like you. You know what I mean? He's a very confident person. Like he, he was very, I'm not gonna say cocky, but sure himself. And, and it's hard to really explain because if, if you know him, he was actually one of the nicest kids I ever had in my program. Pop made a big impression on the coach, mostly because of that confidence. Like if somebody told me he was gonna be a rapper, I wouldn't have believed it. But if somebody told me he was gonna be rich and famous, that I would have believed because you couldn't tell him any different. Like, it's just how he wore his hair, how he dressed. His chains had to be on a certain way. But life at Rock Top wasn't all hoops. Pop liked to spend time in the weight room. He needed to bulk up to let people know he wasn't that same lanky kid from the World Star video. But <laughs> there was other benefits to working out. For a kid that was in 10th, 11th grade, he was pretty cut up. He had grown women like literally looking at him and, you know, he would say hi to him, he'd be hitting on him and everywhere he went, he demanded the attention. You know, we, we would go everywhere together. You know, we go to McDonald's, he's hitting on the girl that worked at McDonald's, he's hitting on the girl that worked at the library, he's hitting on the girl that worked at the gym. And he, he was actually getting phone numbers everywhere he went. As fun as that sounds, Pop still had Brooklyn on his mind. Gnarski. That's all he talked about. He loved his mom. He loved the neighborhood. Yeah, he said Konarski. <laughs> hey, nobody's perfect. Over time, he would tell me stories. Like, he told me about the time that uh, when he was young, you know, some guy came up and smacked him and blah, 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 blah. Even though he was all the way in the outskirts of Philly, Pop was still talking about that World Star video. 
that was Pop. You know, people don't understand. Like, Pop, he never forgot or forgave the situation. Chris Cantino also coached at Rock Top. He was younger than Coach Rhines. He got close to that first class of kids, especially Pop. You know, he was kind of like streetlight. He still was, I'm New York, I'm such and such crip, this, that, and third, and we don't talk like that in Philly. Coach Cantino noticed that Pop was all about repping Canarsie, and even as a teenager, all about repping his gang. So I, like, bust jokes on that, and he throw up his little crip stuff. I don't know how to throw them little gang signs up, but, you know, he definitely carried it like he still was, like, in the streets. And I'm like, man, you 15. Like, are you like 15, 16? Like, you, <laughs> what are you doing? It's more than life than crips and buds. After about six months, Pop left Rock Top. He told Coach Rhines that he had a heart murmur. Pop's brother, Abbasi, says that that's only part of the story. Pop left Philly because of the heart murmur, but also because he missed home. And even though he was still in high school, even though he wouldn't record his first track for another year or two, this is when he starts to change from a random crip in the town and the pop smoke, the superstar. Whether he was aware of it or not, Pop used this time in Canarsie to build a reputation that would serve well as a rapper. He gets a gun and starts making fake credit cards. See, on the streets, nobody's really a drug dealer anymore. That's some nerdy white kid shit. Because weed became so easy to get, the demand for other drugs went down. Instead, kids are running credit card scams. It's way easier money. Scam, 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 scam. I don't want to look like you. Scam, 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 scam. We don't make those moves. On July 28, 2017, Pop is 18 years old, and an NYPD officer brings a warrant to enter his mom's house. The officer found weed and some scales. He also found a gun and an embosser machine. A dead giveaway that Pop was forging cards. Scam, 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 scam. I don't want to look like you. Pop's arrest landed him in a diversion program. If you get through it okay, charges against you are dropped and you avoid jail time. But it doesn't come without its conditions. One of them was that Pop had to wear an ankle monitor. And soon enough, he'd be flashing it in all of his interviews. Know, niggas is lucky I'm on a bracelet right now. You understand? I'm on a bracelet. And I was like, oh. At this point, Pop is building up his status in the floors. But to the rest of the world, he's still this 13-year-old kid who got slapped on Worldstar. He needed to fix that, and in the biggest way possible. In the fall of 2018, Pop finally planned his revenge. It took him six years and lots of trips to the weight room. But now, he's ready. The mission was caught on video. Of course, it had to be. Remember, the reason the original incident hurt so bad wasn't that he got slapped. It was that the violation was filmed and went viral. So Pop finds one of the guys who slapped him and follows him into a 7-Eleven. The guy's at the counter, paying for his stuff. Pop is standing right behind him in line, almost hovering over him. And then boom, Pop swings his arm around to the front of the guy's face, slaps him so hard he falls on the floor. Pop drags the guy outside the store. He asked him, you remember me? You remember me? And then Pop turns to the camera. The thing that gets me is that Pop Smoke wasn't even a rapper yet. And he's already calling himself Pop Smoke. 
In a way, that was like his first performance. Pop was really proud of this video and wanted it to go viral. A shortened version of it was the very first thing on his official YouTube page, and it stayed there for the rest of his life. What did he call it? Pop Smoke Smacks Op Chapau. Around the same time, another video of Pop starts circulating. This time, he's out running like five cops. Pop was already on his way to becoming a local celebrity. What's it like, first time you see him, is he like? Pop was wildin' in the gym, you heard, you know, big nigga. He, he the same age as us and shit, but he a big nigga in the gym, you know? Yeah. Body and everybody, so. That's the rapper Jay Guapo. He and Pop met at a YMCA in East New York. You know, I was playing ball with Pop, and that's how I got close with Pop, you feel me? From there, we started chilling outside of the gym. Yeah. And then from there, I became my dogs. They got so close that Pop convinced Jay to go to his high school, the Brooklyn Democracy Academy. So uh, let's take it back. When, when you were in high school, you're moving through the halls and everything, like, what's it like with Pop? I didn't even graduate from high school because I was in the hallways with your man. You oh. feel me? <laughs> we wasn't on no, we wasn't in doing no classwork and shit. I wasn't, for sure. Yeah. Jay was into making his own music and encouraged Pop to do the same. Yeah, I always used to tell Pop to rap. I used to tell Pop he's a character. Because Pop always looked like 50 said to me, so I used to call Pop 50. So everybody that know him from the East or know him by 50. Jay never heard his friend spit a bar, but he saw some potential. One day in 2018, Jay's wish came true. It happened at a studio in East New York. Pop often talked about that day. Here he is again in that DJ Semtex interview. I remember the day I went into the studio with my little bro. He was rapping. He was getting his buzz up in New York, you know what I'm saying, buzzing. I kept telling him, like, yo, you're a character. You're going to make some music, yo. We're going to make this shit work. So Jay dragged Pop along to the studio. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always lit, getting drunk or something. Jay got totally faded. And he got so high one day, and he just passed out. And I'm like, you know what? We're not about to waste the studio sound. <laughs> <laughs> so I started looking up beats. Pop was finally going to give rap a try. For the first time ever. And it happened to be my first song. Jay didn't know until it was almost done. Like I woke up like days and surprised and I'm just hearing music. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. I got pop in here rapping. And Jay says it wasn't all that bad. Yeah, it was good. I, pop was always nice from the beginning. It didn't take him too much catching on to do. But to really go big, pop needs an industry connection. I said, yo, bro, this kid, you need to just forget about everything you're working on. I mean, you need to just focus on this kid. That's the next time on Complex Subject, Pop Smoke. Complex Subject, Pop Smoke is a Spotify original podcast in partnership with Complex. This episode was written and reported by Sean Sotero. Our senior producer is Shiva Bayat. Our associate producer and sound designer is Mira El-Rahim. Our editor is Audrey Quinn. Our engineer is William Smith. Original music by Johnny Baker. Additional research done by Sophia Steinert-Evoy. Executive producers from Spotify include Gina Delvac and Jifa Yador. Executive producers from Complex include Donnie Kwok, Nick Wang, and Justin Killian. Special thanks to Alec Friedman, Jessica Dow, Eric Skelton, Chancel Correa, Taliba Newman, and Jennifer Stewart. I'm your host, Punch.